2: Off-Track with Hinch and Rossi.
3: Hello and welcome you guys, you beautiful people. Some of you maybe not so beautiful, but you know what? We can't see you. That's the joys of podcasting. So It's uh, not like we're beautiful. This is Off-Track
2: with Hinch and Rossi.
4: Yeah, since, since you can't see us, just know that I'm the most beautiful of the three of us. Right,
2: right. Yeah, we'll, if you're listening we'll to this, of them all. you at least know roughly what each of us look like. And while <laughs> none of us are particularly beautiful, Tim is definitely the most beautiful yeah right. just hands down
3: as far as beauty goes he does tick a lot <laughs> of boxes
2: a lot of, a
4: lot of boxes, boxes arguably
2: like well um, your cheekbones could be a little higher but other than that <laughs> you pretty much know where they all. are
1: yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's true maybe they are high i'm not sure really why is high cheekbones a thing
4: yeah i don't know why don't that's know a why. thing I get why we picked most things. I don't get why we picked that as a thing.
2: What
3: What? Like, what do you mean by most things, Tim?
4: Well, like a lot of things that people have like attractions like to are rooted like in. I'm not going to go curious. into
2: specifics. <laughs> you know damn well what I mean. <laughs> Man, I was not expecting Tim to get canceled first.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, boy. Oh, Alex, are you still sick? I think so.
1: I think yeah. I'm sick now, too. Just
2: has got one of those lasting things that's just kind of lingering for a while. Dude. I'm pretty annoyed. I think I've been sick for going on four weeks. Ooh, yeah, well, it's, um, it's got to be close know. to that. Oh, like,
3: like three and a half.
4: <laughs> what do we want to do? Do Did we want to go over him? racing first, or go over like personal stuff first? Oh, I want to hear about Thanksgivings, Alex. You hosted a, yeah. uh, you hosted an all Canadian Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah, I didn't realize he was that the only American Canadian... in his
2: own house
3: <laughs> <laughs> until all the Canadians pointed out the fact that. Um, I was. That it was just and Thursday was, and nobody there cared. Was a, there was 11 people there. Um, <laughs> and I was the only American. So, uh, yes, hosted my first Thanksgiving. Um, Kelly's family was down from Toronto. And then the Hinchcliffs slash Daltons. Although I'm just going to say, Evan should just be a Hinchcliffe at this point.
4: <laughs> it's at just point. an honorary one at yeah, this point. He's way. just an
3: honorary one. Probably um, legally, too. Right. <laughs> um, joined us I adopted him. And, and we had uh, a wonderful evening with fantastic food and company and it was just a great time so it was everything
2: that Thanksgiving should be about um, a couple highlights were Alex in his you know and just being Alex had uh, researched and supplied for a few new craft cocktails that he wanted to mm-hmm. try Uh, some of those were bangers, definitely some keepers on the list. And then you went, so I don't think I'm like, I don't think I'm ruining anything by saying this, but you guys made all the food minus the Turkey. Right. Turkey was a pre done Turkey, but it was a smoked Turkey. Right. And man, let me tell you, that is the move. That thing was awesome.
3: So whether here, here's what I realized whether you get it smoked or not. So we have, So there's a, there's a really nice butcher down the street. We hadn't planned on this. But when we went in there several weeks prior, they were like, hey, have you reserved your turkey yet? And we were like, no, what are you talking about? Explained that they smoke their turkeys and that they're very good and all this stuff. And we we're like, yeah, let's do that. And I just have to say, like, turkey for every Thanksgiving meal that I've been a part of has really not been the highlight. Like it's it's not it's, it's good. Kind of, like it's, it's always dry, bad. It's, it's always dry. Yeah. And, and it is so much effort to prep it. It's so much effort and stress to cook it. Why do people do this? Mm-hmm. Like, why do you why I do think- you put yourself through that? It's 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 very easy. It was not expensive in any. Like, you go buy a turkey at a grocery store. It's going to be in the twenty to thirty dollar range. Yes, this was double the price, but for the. The the meal that you're doing, and for your who you're hosting for, and the amount of food that you're actually getting out of it, to take that stress out of it, I think it's worth paying the extra twenty five to thirty dollars to just not have to think about it. Like your job's done. You heat it up and you carve it, which I didn't. So was it was it better
4: because of the smoking or just because of how they prepped it? You think or both?
3: Well, both. But I think if you have, say, you don't do a smoked one, but if you have a professional company slash person do your turkey it's going to be better than you who do it once a year in your oven at your house like it's just that's just the way it is like sorry unless you're a professional no, I, I
4: agree i think for the most part the best part of turkey at thanksgiving when people make it is the smell yep. like walking in and it smells like turkey that's the most enjoyable part of the turkey everything else yeah, this is, is usually
2: dry this and is why i'm everything that like accompanies a Thanksgiving meal is stuff to like blend into and hide the lack of taste and, and moisture in a Turkey. If you Correct. really think about it. Yep. So yep. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Uh, but no, Stuffing that, that is thing absolutely the
4: top tier of the Thanksgiving food.
2: I mean, mashed potatoes are pretty fire. I'm more of a dessert guy on Thanksgiving. Okay.
3: Well, all right. So two things to add to that one, I kind of briefly touched on it. Um, it was my first time hosting a Thanksgiving, which um, was all cool until I realized that it was then my responsibility to carve a turkey, to which I then <laughs> swiftly <laughs> myself. Um, and thankfully, James was there with his ever uh, seemingly endless abilities, and he carved it for me. So thank you, James.
2: Um, Happy to help.
3: But then, but then the other thing that I think should be a new staple of Thanksgiving meals, Hawaiian rolls.
2: Like, oh dude oh my they god they are
3: they are so they good are f-
2: why don't we eat those more it, because we would eat them because yeah, they're the basically
4: time. just sugar bread they right? So,
2: like, <laughs> yeah. they're right yeah they're so them, good but- they're so good and dude you know what else like first yeah they're just bananas good they're just so soft and they're so tasty and they're just so perfect and then you know, our friend Marissa, like if we are doing like a like a day on the boat or something like that, she'll go buy a pack of those things, slice them all in half, and make yep. these little sandwiches out of them, like that's a little ham I'm or turkey sandwich. Oh my God. They're just they're just incredible. It's just the greatest thing to have. Yeah, I'm with you. We should there should be like a day of the week that's Hawaiian roll day. Like there's Taco Tuesday. Hawaiian Wednesday. How Wednesday. A Wednesday, <laughs>
3: maybe. Um, mm, anyways, that's so, a stretch. Um, it went off without a hitch. So that was James and I's Thanksgiving. Tim, how about how about you?
4: Just low key family stuff. Uh, and not as many of the brothers came in town, so it was uh, a it was just kind of casual. It was nice though.
3: Did you did you oh, I... drink as much wine as you were hoping?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, nice. naturally. Man, though, can I say I've had a pretty wild 24 hours. You
2: can say that. We don't uh, want to know why, but no? you can say okay. that. All right, yeah. carry on. So, uh, so I had a fa- no. I'm. Can go ahead? <laughs> <laughs> so I texted James had you
3: guys his 116th and... flight. So. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, we'll get to that. Don't worry. Hey.
4: Well, I texted you guys about it yesterday, and I think I tweeted about it. I, I was on. A, I had never seen this actually happen outside of like videos on social media, but I there was a guy who got removed on my flight yesterday,
3: like in mm-hmm. the air. Like they just no,
4: it was like off <laughs> yeah, yeah, just pop the door, up, but he had to hold on real <laughs> so, yeah. tight. <laughs> yeah, the people. Uh, the was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just said, "Get off my plane," right. and kicked Sick. him off. It was That's Gary cool. Oldman. Weirdly right. enough, so it really wow. worked. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, then row directly behind me, this guy like sat in somebody else's seat and then complained when she showed up and was like, excuse me, I'm pretty sure you're in my seat. And he had to take right. the middle seat, He made a big to do out of it and started like he was harassing this woman.
2: Okay, hang on, so, hang on, hang on, just, just so we're clear, he was sitting in an aisle seat or a window seat
4: he took her
2: aisle seat and his seat but his was, the was actually the middle okay and yeah. this
3: this was like an appropriately aged person it wasn't like some 80 year old yeah he was, he was, he was in his with letters
4: yeah no he was in his 30s okay and and so he's like just berating this woman and he's talking loudly on his phone so i was annoyed with the guy when i first got on the plane cuz he was just directly behind me talking loudly on his phone so Flight attendants see what's going on. They come in and ask the woman if she would like to be relocated. And they bump her up to first class, which was like, great move. And so he, takes he her was seat.
3: that he was that aggressive towards her.
4: Yeah. And so she's in first class. He takes her seat. He's still on his phone. We, we're still boarding. And now he's loudly insulting this woman. And a lot of profanity, just talking a lot of about her. And the guy across the aisle goes, excuse me, that was my wife. We were sitting across the aisle from each other. You tried to take her seat. What you're saying is not true. So now he's yelling at the the guys, the the wife's husband, you know, why are you listening to my conversation? Meanwhile, he's yelling into his phone for the conversation. And the flight attendant comes up. I love that James has been frozen for this whole time. Let me just text him so he knows to hop back in. So the flight attendant comes up and she's like, excuse me, you know, what's what's going on? and you know what 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 are we uh what's the disagreement going on gentlemen and he just says you can mind your business to the flight attendant holy so she just kind of goes okay (laughs) it goes and like two more uh, another flight attendant comes right after and goes excuse me sir can you grab your bags and belongings and join me we need to uh step outside the plane and have a conversation and he goes what's going on and and they go well you're not uh, the flight crew is not going to permit you to fly on this flight like you need to come with me now and he's like i'm not getting up i didn't do anything i didn't do anything wrong i'm not getting up so the captain comes back and he explains i'm going to guarantee here's one thing that's going to happen you are not flying on this plane tonight he goes now the other outcomes here are your options You will step off the plane right now and be rebooked on a later flight when you learn how to properly behave on a flight in accordance with Delta's policies. Yeah. Another option is you will get off this plane. Your reservation will be canceled and not refunded. Another option is that will happen. Your reservation will be canceled and not refunded, and you will never be allowed to fly on Delta again. Or the fourth option, your reservation will be canceled. You will not be refunded. You will not be allowed to fly on any airline again, and you will probably spend the night in jail.
2: Sorry, my Your computer choice. froze. what I miss? Uh, you were on a Delta flight. What happened? <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay. Listen to the episode, James. Okay. So Damn he it. goes, I'm not getting off the plane. Get the police here. Get the police here. And so they do. Oh, man, I and came this in as is the good part. part. This, is the cap-
3: this, is the captain, this is to the captain. This is to the captain. Not to a flight attendant. Captain. So, oh, wow.
4: So we're all sitting there, and literally, they're in row 23, and it's over 23D. I'm 22 D so this is immediately behind me happening and so the it's a couple minutes and we see a cop pop his head in and they go to him and they say you know the police would like a word with you off the plane and he goes send him in here and they're like well you know we can't the, the police don't come in if there's not an altercation unless the whole plane deplanes, and so that you know that true I feel like that's yeah, not true yeah I guess they change their policy so if he's Actively fighting people, they'll send the cops in. But yeah, their idea fine. is: look, if they send the cops in to pull him off, and he's throwing punches, that's a lot of collateral, potential collateral damage.
0: Okay. So I mean, they get on the PA, them, but-
4: and he goes, "You know, F- you, everybody, get off the plane." And so, Captain gets on the PA.
3: So was this guy? Was he hammered? Wow! Drum? No, or was he-,
4: he? Was just. A okay. And so, at this point, he hangs up his phone call. By the way, and. <laughs> He's been on the phone the whole time. And so the captain gets on the PA and says, uh, you know, due to an issue with the passenger, we're going to need everybody to grab their belongings and uh, deplane. We'll try to get you back on board as soon as possible. Now, we're in road twenty-two, twenty-three, 23, but it's one of those where you board in the middle of the plane. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. we're actually like three doors. We're three rows from the from mm-hmm. the entry. So he gets up when he hears everybody has to deplane. And he goes, yeah, that's right, mother. Everybody's getting off this fucking plane. And he barrels up the like road to like stop people from getting out before him and steps off onto the jetway where the cops are waiting. And so everybody kind of stops and I chime up to, and I look at the flight attendant. I was like, hey, um, since he's off, do we still need to get off the plane? And everybody kind of stops and she looks to the captain and he kind of thinks for a minute and he goes and talks to the cop comes back in, gets on the PA. Uh, you can all stop deplaning. Uh, just uh, retake your seats, and uh, <laughs> so we took off. And <laughs> but it was just so bizarre. Like I've, you always see those videos on social media. I know I had never personally like experienced yeah. it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, I want to get a video of this. Like I want to be the one that like has the video for social media. And then I'm thinking. I don't want to be the guy with the phone out like that. Yep. Because then I'm like, going to be a part that, of this you're altercation. One, you're one away from him. If you were like yeah. four rows if behind like him, four rows maybe. Up, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was just wild to me though, and I'm I'm really glad they they did what they did when they did because when they moved her to first class and he was still being aggressive, everybody around him, I just thought we're gonna we're gonna get diverted. Like we're gonna be in the air and this guy's gonna cause some. Sh- and we're going to have to land somewhere else tonight and I'm going to get a hotel room in Tulsa because this... So, so I was hang on a minute. So glad they removed him from the plane. Hey, yeah,
2: yeah. Again, Tulsa, my internet so I- kicked out for a second here. You're telling me that he refused to move and then the flight attendant's solution was we'll move her to first class and well, he no, was no, still no, being... No. It?
4: First, first it, he was just kind of harassing her. He moved and then just called her a bitch and and all this stuff. So the flight attendant's response, not knowing the whole story, just hearing, hey, there's this... There's an altercation between these two. Uh, they just said, you know, man, would you come with us? And they resat her in first class. And so they, they thought, wow. okay, problem solved. Which like, you know what? Right move. She had a great flight. But once a flight attendant comes to you and tells you you need to get off the plane, you're not going to win the argument, right? <laughs> like you're yeah. now violating federal law when you don't listen to that. Yeah, okay. there's
2: not a not a big <laughs> win there. Yeah. Man, it all was right. Just... Well, I'm glad that you didn't put it on, you didn't record it and put it on Twitter because then you'd be that guy. Um, Alex also had some flight troubles in that he flew his family, his in-laws, to and from Canada and couldn't fly home the day he was supposed to because of weather.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I got an extra day with um them which was good but uh was
2: how was that for them though because like you know this was a sunday that they were supposed to be going home and then it turned well, into like an early monday program yeah, like I mean, we was there a it, work issue we or? It,
3: yeah we left at six forty-five in the morning well left the house at like 6 a.m which meant um people could be at work in school by
2: 10 15 no way so they still yeah. made it to school oh that's yeah. i mean that's that's a cool story for the kids hey why are you guys an hour late to school well i had to fly on my private plane up from indianapolis, from indianapolis so sorry. celebrating american my, thanksgiving my uncle kind of the race car deal.
4: driver is also a pilot right exactly <laughs> like, exactly like, <laughs> <laughs> their, their teacher is gonna get called in for a like a parent teacher conference just to be like uh your son is lying in school yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should i tell you that happened to my daughter when they had a field trip to the Long Beach uh, aquarium, and she was like, My friend's faces are on the sidewalk over there. And the teacher was like, Your daughter's just making up stories. I was like, ah, Actually, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's, That's so really funny. Cool. I love that she remembers that those are there.
3: That's why um, we love Hazel. And then I had potentially the best Monopoly game. Of my life, not in the sense that I won, but it was the most entertaining Monopoly game. Mostly because Tim got his ass whooped by a six-year-old. No, we all what? did.
4: Nine. he won? He was nine. He was no. nine. My bad. <laughs> First time we playing. got our asses handed to us by this kid. Like, you not even lost close. at
2: Monopoly. Like, I, look, I regardless who, there's two. a
4: lot of chance in that game.
2: But like, mm.
4: this didn't. Okay, I know. I know offhand the pinks are the most landed on monopoly in the game. Illinois Avenue is the most landed on single set in the game. The best cost return is going to be the light blues. The dark blues are almost never hit and have the worst return on the investment, right? I know these things going in this kid with the dark blues cleaned dark clocks. Like ah, just, every uh, every lap
3: we landed on dark blue <laughs> and it was just
4: horrible. and it like it went on far longer than it should have because he wasn't buying houses eventually we're just like dude, buy more houses and just end this Please like end just this. Kill <laughs> us. Like, oh man was, the, th- there was a concern at one point that if i went bankrupt to rossi it was going to cost him more money to unmortgage my properties than he had on hand, and he would have gone bankrupt to the bank.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
4: <laughs> a lot of people are rich, when cash you, poor. <laughs> When you get property from somebody when they lose and it's mortgaged, you have to either immediately if, unmortgage it or A lot it, of people don't realize any of the property. real rules of monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. But that would have been hilarious to me if me going bankrupt would have bankrupted okay.
2: you too. Hold on. So answer me that. Not that I really want to get into a monopoly rules debate right now, but when you go bankrupt, how do you determine who gets your properties?
4: Whoever bankrupts you.
2: Okay, so it's like if you land on Alex's property and that, but so like even if you only owe him a 100 bucks, if that's your last 100 bucks, he gets all your stuff? He gets everything. Yeah, but theoretically
4: at that point, all your properties are mortgaged, right? Right, right, right. So then you either have to, Alex either has to immediately unmortgage them, which is the mortgage value plus 10%, or keep them mortgaged, but pay 10% of the mortgage value immediately and then pay the 10% again when he unmortgages. A lot of people oh my god
2: that yeah that's a dumb rule that's why they don't know it it's a very dumb rule it's, there's nope. nothing comparable to that in real life
4: well yeah if you're transferring a, a mortgage property you're gonna have to pay the bank a fee on the transfer they own you don't it have to pay it twice well you, yeah that's fair okay anyway enough about monopoly and how everybody else plays it wrong but me um now i
0: want to play James, i haven't played that mm, you've no, been in a car James kind of, (laughs) he sat in one.
2: so i made some noise yeah 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 oh Oh, we went out in the wet man like well this is these guys don't mess around when you got a roof it's amazing what they let you do in a race car Mm. uh so yes so i i am in portugal at the moment at the esteril racetrack doing a test in the mclaren gt3 car that alex and i will be piloting in the rolex 24 daytona um Alex didn't bother showing up but that's cool so I'm here with the other two drivers Marvin and Ollie um Ollie I know from A1GP back in the day Marvin I just met absolute gem of a guy really really excited that he's part of the team and so yeah my first time driving you know the McLaren and honestly technically my second time ever driving a, a GT3 car because I did like 15 laps in the Kelly Moss Porsche at Indy in july or whatever it was um and so you know oliver started in the car and it was damp kind of dry you know drying but wet tires still damp whatever and then dried out right before lunch and we're like all right cool afternoon should be great and then my plan was to get me in the car right after lunch get in the car belting in it just starts pouring again and so and it wasn't going to clear up so we we ran i don't know 20 25 laps in the wet something like that just Messed around with a couple things, just learning as much as I could. I mean, hey, look, man, it's Daytona. It can definitely rain there. It often does. So it was still kind of worthwhile doing something just for my side and getting used to having a roof and sitting on the left side of the car and all that jazz. Uh, But we have another day tomorrow, which is Wednesday. We're recording on Tuesday. So another day tomorrow to try to uh, get everything sorted. And get a couple laps in, which would be real fun. So I'm excited. Uh, you, yeah. So you did not miss much. Had you been here, there was really no time to add another driver into the run plan. As Alex gives us thumbs up digitally and literally. Um, so yeah, no, it's just cool, man. It's cool to get to come play race car a little bit, uh, and then coming home Thursday morning. And that Alex should be my last flight of the year. He'll be happy to know. I so, like, you know how much he hates me talking. Are about you this, going right,
4: Tim? back up to Canada for Christmas? Yeah, but driving,
2: uh, um, I got to go to Colorado should just get like next one week one more and then back to Indy and then up to Canada. But so you no, end on
3: 118. <laughs> you're not going to go for one, you're not going
2: right? to do, yeah, just do like a quick
4: Indy to Detroit, Detroit to Indy just to get the even 120. It's
2: pretty, sad. I mean effort if it it was like like a if it was like an actual points threshold or like there was something to win or earn by having 120 flights maybe but uh but no i'm i'm probably probably not going to do that but i have been i have been consciously tagging alex i have been posting every flight on instagram and tagging alex and all of them just because i know he hates it so he's got two more to deal with thursday morning
3: pretty pretty cool (laughs)
2: The, be- the best was I posted that one and then Kelly immediately just started laughing. <laughs> she replied just laughing. Because <laughs> like, don't worry. I tagged him in it. <laughs>
3: um, so, speaking of race cars, there was the <clears throat> F1 season finale um, yes. this past weekend. Uh, yes. And uh, I didn't watch... Um, I watched qualifying... Um, mm-hmm. must say, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like a, like a, cause like we all make mistakes, but oh. I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty floored by Logan Sargent where the Williams was, was pretty handy and pretty capable over a lap at Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, they made some steps forward through the year and, and kind of, the the long straight tracks that benefit you know low down force suit them pretty well and he had every ability to get out of q2 potentially even make q3 and his first run his lap was deleted because of a track limits penalty which s- seemingly everyone gets um these days um but then you know fine you get another shot at it new set of tires go out fire another one in and crossed the line, and his lap was like P5, and was easily going to transfer um, into round two. And he had a track limits penalty in turn one. It's not even like he made it to the last corner was trying to ship it to like get that extra tenth to transfer. And it was that, That's Mary. the other
2: corner that it happens at. It's either the first right. corner or the he last did it, corner.
3: He did it to open the lap. And I'm just like, man, you can't, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. At this level, you can't do that. Like, that's just silly. So... Anyways, that was disappointing. Yeah. Um, because as an American, you want American representation. So he had a very good Vegas, and I was hoping that he would end you know, Abu Dhabi with a good showing and it would help his case. You know, Who knows? He still might get another shot at it next year, but that was uh, tough to watch. And then the race, um, I've seen some of the, the memes and stuff come
2: out, but just
3: it's hilarious. Well, Max is...
2: Yeah, we'll just, we'll get to that. I, w- I want to touch on one other thing in qualifying though, because yeah. it it does show, I think, what happened in qualifying last weekend, how genuinely like actually competitive F one has become in this new mm-hmm. era, this new rules package. Right, you have to just for the sake of this argument ignore Max for a second, and and even even with Max, yes, he had I think it was twelve polls, But that means there was 10 races he didn't have pole. And so I think that. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I was saying like on a Saturday especially, right? Like we've seen some of the closest top 10, some of the closest field spreads, all this stuff. So after the first run in Q3, Leclerc is on the radio. He's like eighth, I think. Eighth or ninth. And comes on the radio and he was like, I don't know. I don't know. Lap was good. Balance is good. I just don't know. And Alex, you know, as a driver, like everyone's been in that scenario, right? Where it's so frustrating because you do a lap, you see the time, you see what the gap is. And you're just like, I don't know. I don't know where that is. I don't know what feedback to give you to initiate a change that I think will find me that much lap time. Because like it wasn't a small amount, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so, so frustrating as a driver to be in that situation. It's interesting, especially in F1, because like yeah, you're. if you're eight tenths off, it's because your car's eight tenths slower or whatever. Like, the car's just not there. But, like, the car had been top five-ish in practice. Like, he'd had decent practice, whatever. So there's no... Re- and he'd been on a really good string of qualifying. So on one hand, it was, like, really nice to see that that stuff happens in F1, too, right? Even with all the stuff they have, all the gizmos and gadgets and preparation and simulation and all that crap, they still just sometimes come in and are like, I don't know, man, they would, it just wasn't there. The lap time just wasn't there. But then I also loved the fact that with three minutes in between runs and cars that aren't easy to work on, they would have made some minimal change to the car for his second run. But then he also just went in, dug deep and put the thing on the front row. And he just found this like incredible amount of time. It's kind of like what Ferrari did in Mexico, like one run to the next, they were just half a second quicker and they don't really know why. Like I love the fact that this year in F one, there's actually some unpredictability. Even though Leclerc ends up on the front row for the fifth race in a row, and that seems like it's very predictable, how he got there wasn't, and it really took him. Like, what's not just that he had the second best car; he had right. to like really dig and work for it. And I love seeing that.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll agree with that. But then, like, it's it's also stunning. Red Bull being somewhat lost through Friday and Saturday. Like, they, yeah. Max wasn't happy with the car. Sergio was really nowhere. And they had an overnight, like, full-blown wheelbase change from, sorry, not overnight, between practice three and qualifying and led every round of qualifying. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it, it is so impressive to watch with that group with max is capable of like, I, I can't harp on it enough, how unbelievably challenging it is to do what he did
2: this year. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. it's, Oh my God. Because it's not like it's just the car, no. right? Like there was, cause or else they'd be one, just, two in every race. He
3: is so much better than everyone else. And he just he keeps was, getting better. And it's, it's,
2: it's honestly disgusting. Once again, he, he won by 17 seconds. The field is not getting closer. They are not catching up. Maybe they can manage their tires a little better in certain grumpery, but like they are not close to max at all. And I think Lewis even made the point. He was like, these guys stopped working on their car in July because this, the championship was locked up and they're still on the tail end of, no, I think they're finally over. They've paid their penalty from like wind tunnel time and stuff from the 2021 cost cap breach. And so it's like they're back to what they should have as Constructors Champions, which is still the least amount of wind tunnel time and CFD time and all that stuff. But they've got the most amount of money coming their way. This is the thing. So you get that prize money for being, <laughs> being the Constructors Champion. Did you see this about their FIA license? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the entry fee for a team for the, for the FIA is like, plus $7,100 or something per point you score the year before. And because Max alone scored enough points to be the manufacturer's champion, then everything Sergio scored, their bill is like $7.1 or $7.3 million just to register for the series next year. So I hope their prize money check's pretty big.
4: Does that yeah. deduct from the prize cap or the, the salary cap or Outs- cap? it's
2: outside the, it's outside the cap. So, so I saw- see
4: that would make sense to me if that, like wouldn't that drive parity If you did really well the last year, then your salary cap would, would shrink compared to the other team. So it would let the other teams catch up
2: in theory. Yes. I think they might have to be a little bit more reasonable about what that number is because like, yeah. that's a, that's a not like their, their penalty, their financial penalty for, breaching the cost cap was seven million dollars last year
4: yeah so but like, i mean in theory if you had something like that i mean that that to me feels like a pretty good way of doing it yes no i
2: i kind of understand
4: again if, if you had somebody like max who's just winning all the time you would want your other guy to just get last place every race it's like hey well, never but that's finish. just it right yeah <laughs> like <laughs> you, you'd want to wrap
2: up the manufacturer's championship and then and and the driver's championship and then just stop running like just don't run in the points So here's, I saw
3: a a hilarious thing today on the internet. That's F1 2023 head-to-head, but with meaningful stats.
2: Oh, dude, that was so good. Max
3: Verstappen points, 575. Sergio Perez, two of them. So two Sergio Perez's, 570 points. Mm. Max Verstappen, 19 wins. Two Sergio Perez's, four. Max (laughs) Verstappen, 21 podiums. Two Sergio Perez's, 18 Max Verstappen, polls 12 to Sergio Perez is four. However, my personal favorite, Pierre Gasly versus Esteban Ocon. Penalties for Pierre, six. Penalties for Esteban, 3,210. <laughs> Pierre Gasly, disliked by one person. Esteban Ocon, disliked by 7.8 billion. Um, and then my other favorite was Lewis versus George. Lewis, turned in on someone three times. George, 42. Been on the radio with, he turned in on me. Lewis, one time. George, 42. <laughs> and that's all. Those are, my, those are my favorites. Anyways. There, was, there um, was a couple of
2: really funny ones in that, for sure. There's some bangers in there. So,
3: getting to the race, um, a lot of interesting things going on. A lot up for grabs in terms of, you know, fourth in the championship. And constructors championship, um, and really, no surprises other than Mercedes pulled it out. They pulled out finishing P two in the constructors, which considering the year they had, just emphasizes how good of a job Lewis did. Like I, it's it's underappreciated, I think, because yeah, as much as George is annoying, he's he's very fast and he's very good, and Lewis, a smothered him, but b completely carried the team to second in the constructors beating Ferrari with two guys that, you know, I think were were driving really well this year for the most part. So um pretty amazing result
2: by them. But it was it was so close. I mean get, there's so many things to dissect about that because to your point, like Lewis only finished ninth, I think. He didn't contribute a lot on the day. Obviously, over the season, I think he had almost doubled George's points. Like He did did have an incredible year, all things considered, which after last year when George beat Lewis, only the second or third time that a teammate had ever beaten Lewis, um, was kind of a surprise that he was that far back. But on the day, he got the podium that really secured the points, but it quite literally came down to a Sergio Perez penalty that I frankly think was kind of a BS penalty. So Sergio had a typically lackluster qualifying i hate to say that but it's kind of what it was started ninth eighth something like that legitimately did a great job and drove his way up to the podium made a very good race passed george and was catching charles and this is where it was so messed up if so sergio while coming through was making a pass on lando the two of them Touched, very minor contact mid-corner during the pass attempt. Both cars stayed on track. Lando didn't lose any more than the position he was clearly going to lose anyway. And they slapped Sergio with a five-second penalty. So again, I firmly disagree with the penalty to begin with. And then it ended up having massive constructor championship implications. Because so then Sergio drives up past George and he's catching... Charles and Charles knows that with his penalty George is going to go back in front of Checo in the final standings and that's going to keep Mercedes ahead of Ferrari right so when George got passed at first it was like Ferrari's going to get second but then the penalty was applied it's like well no no now Ferrari's going to finish third so Charles was like I'm going to let him go let him take second place and try to back George up enough that he's more than 5 seconds behind uh Checo which is genius to think of like in the moment i'm disappointed the team didn't give him that order earlier because he waited till the last lap and it wasn't quite enough he was almost there he was only like a second off
3: yeah yeah. he did it he did it in turn four out of 18 corners right so like he he built a pretty big buffer and it it, had it been another lap he easily would have pulled it off
2: right so So that's very clever that's very clever, but very. it's kind of a tough break for Ferrari, all things considered. You almost feel bad for those guys in that one. Similarly, um, Yuki Tsunoda, he showed up in a big way because they were in a really tight battle, AlphaTauri was, with Williams for seventh. And Williams did not have a good day. Neither car was close to the points. Yuki qualified sixth and ended up finishing eighth, got a bunch of points, and they came like two or three short of uh, of getting seventh from Williams. So congrats to them coming up from 10th last year. That's uh and basically all in the back of Albon. He had an incredible year when you think about it.
3: So that that brings up a, an interesting point that I wanted to talk about. It might be a sensitive subject considering it deals with the most popular driver in Formula One outside of Lewis. But
4: I'm assuming you mean Logan Sargent.
3: <laughs> no. So Daniel Ricardo, right? He um he he came into the sport. Um was incredibly successful at Toro Rosso. Went to Red Bull. Started beating Vettel, which really cemented his career because um, it was at a time where Sebastian was at his peak. Made
2: you know, as he admits, you know, a career move that ended up being the wrong one. And, and but but remember, at the time, was the only guy still to date that is able to go toe to toe with Max in the same car, right? Like, sorry,
3: true. So after after Sebastian departed to Ferrari, Max came in was max self, but daniel was was competitive with him now He's i there. would say that max, max still had his number yes since, for sure but so anyways made a career decision switch teams um went to reno um for for a big sum of money which understandable was going to a manufacturer you could see the logic behind it max was very clearly the guy of the future, going to be the Red Bull guy. Red Bull very much has an A car and a B car, right? So I get that. Went to McLaren, had a tough stint in McLaren, but there was a lot of reasons for it, handled it with a lot of grace and dignity. And so it didn't really lose any respect in the F1 paddock. People didn't think he forgot how to drive or anything. It meant that he ended up taking a year. Was it a year? Ended up being what? two years. It, no, it was this
2: year. This was his frame. it was only six
3: months. <laughs> right, so... Uh, Six months away from the sport. And um, Nick DeVries was not at the Red Bull expectation that they wanted him at. And so they brought in Daniel, who having been out of the car for a little bit of time, jumped back into a Red Bull car at Silverstone for a test and immediately light switch, boom, away he goes. Red Bull's like, yep, he's still fast. He's still got it. We still like the guy. He's still popular, blah, blah, blah. He's in the car. Unfortunately, two races in, Hurts his hand, has to take a three or four race miss, five race miss to recover his hand-wrist situation. And comes back. And so pre-wrist injury was, like, strong, very strong. Like, making Yuki look a little bit silly considering he had been in the car all year and Daniel was showing up and seeing an Alphatari kind of for the first time. But then towards the end, it flipped pretty significantly. And I just think it goes back to that thing that we see so often with drivers, where they come into a new environment, and because they don't have any expectations, and because they don't really know what to expect or what to think or how to feel or whatever, the first couple of events are like, bananas good.
2: Ignorance is bliss, man.
3: And then you start to be like, okay, how are, how are we going to take that? I. I've been victim to this. I think all of us have, but it's okay. Well, we're here. So we've got to find in
4: that next. Yeah, little I can hit that fuel number. number if I need to.
3: We're not talking about fuel, but okay. So
4: <laughs> I just meant like coming in, not knowing I was making a joke about your 500 win.
3: Um, <laughs> so when you go start chasing that little bit of extra performance, it actually flips and you actually start going slower and it becomes a bigger struggle and everything. So it's, it's amazing. My whole point of that is, we're witnessing Daniel go through that. He's got a whole off-season to like adjust and get into gelling with the team and everything. So, like that's not going to be a problem. But what's amazing has how Max has been able to keep that naivety as bliss since he was 17 coming into Formula 1 and continually ramp it up. He's never hit a point where it's like plateaued. Or dropped off like he's getting better week in and week out
2: yeah but i don't think it's it's the same effect though like i don't think it's the the ignorance is bliss thing because he's not like in those situations
3: he does he does not care he does not care if he's a race car driver he cares massively about winning he only wants to win and even if he's won 20 races a year he will be pissed if he doesn't win 21 races a year but if he woke up tomorrow and they said Formula
2: One doesn't exist anymore, sorry, pal, you'd be like, K. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's a bit different. Cause I was thinking like in, in Daniel's situation or other situations like that, like the driver goes in, like you think you said it with zero expectations because it's such a weird, you know, situation, Dan going out Terry, Max has expectations. So it, it, I, I agree with you that he doesn't, he, He doesn't do it because he has to, right? He does it because he wants to, but if it doesn't happen, he can do other stuff. Like, he's not, it's not all consuming to him in that sense. It's all consuming to him in that all he wants to do is win. But yeah, you're right. I think he'd be totally fine just driving go karts and GT3 cars for the rest of his life if that's all that was on the cards. But it's not from a, like, when you talk to performance coaches and things like that and mental coaches, one of the things they try to teach you is that, like, yeah, if you, you have to eliminate expectation, right? Like, expectations are disappointments in the making basically and you just have to kind of drive free or perform as an athlete free i think he is what he's so what's so impressive about him is he has that expectation and still just like it seems like every time they get on the back foot he has that extra gear that afterburner he hits and can still just pull it off and it's incredible to watch
3: yeah for sure
2: but it's it's just it's it's such a
3: unique characteristic that i think that he has um which goes a long way towards him being able to do what he does so in a lot of ways i'm very very disappointed that they either missed or ferrari just was exceptional in singapore because it would have been really cool to see a team win every single race i don't think it'll ever get that close again maybe it will next year but i i can't imagine it will Um, but just a tremendous thing to watch. It's like, it's like when people would complain about watching the Patriots and Tom Brady, it's like, enjoy what you're witnessing because you potentially will never see it again
2: in yeah. your lifetime. So sporting excellence is fun to watch. It's,
3: it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and yeah. So next week we will get to hopefully hear about how James's time in a McLaren in Portugal was in the dry
0: <laughs> day and
3: two. I will be recording with you guys from wonderful Homestead, Miami again. So mm. we, get to, we get to do I that all I hope you get
2: time. more than three runs this time. Same. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I hope everyone had a fun and happy and safe Thanksgiving. Thanks for tuning in. And, yeah, we will catch you next week. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. We're at Ask Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. he's Alexander Rossi, and if you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at TheTimDurham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. OffTrack is produced by Tim Durham, and
0: by that we mean Thim.